Diverse is brought to you by SWE Advance, supporting the recruitment, retention, and advancement of women in engineering through career resources, professional development, and one-to-one networking opportunities. Hello, I'm Jessica Rano, FY17 President of the Society of Women Engineers, and this is SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. Joining me now is April Ruggles, a mechanical engineer in engineering training at RMF Engineering in Charlottesville, Virginia. April earned her Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Minnesota Twin Cities in 2012. She holds four patents from her time as a mechanical design engineer in the computer hardware industry, and she joined RMF in 2016. Thanks for joining us, April. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. So let's jump right into the questions. April, you're a millennial. You graduated from college five years ago, and you've already held positions with IBM, Lenovo, and RMF. Tell us about your experience entering the engineering workforce. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> as, I mean, as you already hinted at, um, it's already sort of a long story, and I can't believe it's only been five years. Um, there's been a lot that's happened. Um, you know, when I, when I graduated from college, of course, I was, I was really excited um, to get out and, and do real engineering. You know, nobody really, I mean, <laughs> people try as hard as they can to tell you what it's going to be like, but you don't really know until you get out there. Um, what the experience will actually, you know, how you'll feel in the field. Um, so I was excited and, and I was pretty anxious too. Um, you know, for me, I was joining a very different culture. I knew from my, from my interview, um, you know, the landscape of IBM was really different from anything I'd experienced before. Um, you know, I was used to a little bit more of a diverse, um, not sort of a workplace, but a diverse landscape in at, uni- at university, um, you know, in terms of in terms of gender. So, you know, there were two engineering groups, uh, mechanical engineering groups, and then there were various other, you know, thermal, electrical, and you know, about fifty engineers. Um, there were three female engineers, and I was one of them. And um, and in terms of age as well, uh, I mean, I'd say the average age was probably around. 45, 50. And so coming out of school at 22 years old, um, I really was, wasn't sure how it would play out. But, um, but I, I knew I just had to focus on my work and focus on learning. And I was hoping that everything would work out just fine. And, um, and you know, after a while of, of being at IBM, you know, I also realized that it was, it was a bit of a, you know, in politically a more conservative work workplace too. And, um, and as a gay woman, you know, I really wasn't sure what I, what I should or, or, or could share with my coworkers. You know, you don't really need to be necessarily friends or, or share personal stories with the people that you, that you work with. But, um, at least for me, my, my goal is, is always to be able to, to be, a similar, you know, hopefully the same person in and out of the workplace. Um, and so I didn't necessarily want to have to hide anything or, or omit words, you know, when I'm telling stories or things like that. Um, but it all worked out just fine. And I remember, you know, finally one day I got up the courage to, to mention my, my girlfriend. And um, <laughs> one of my 
coworkers was asking me, you know, it's okay. So, so what do you guys, what do you guys like to do around town? And, you know, we're like, oh, we just sort of hang out because, you know, we're, we moved from, from Minnesota to North Carolina and we didn't really know anyone. And so he was like, he told me, you know, oh, well, my family and I, you know, we go out to trivia every week. You guys are welcome to join us. So, you know, from then on, I, I was going out, you know, to trivia with my coworker who, you know, I, I also knew was very conservative and, you know, didn't agree with, with the life choices that I, that I made. Um, but it didn't matter and it was very respectful and we had a very, you know, close relationship. Um, and in fact, so, so you know how they, they, you know, when you, when you move, um, for a company, sometimes they'll, they'll provide you with, you know, transportation for your items and stuff. And so we had packed up all our stuff and we, we put it on our truck and, um, and we drive to North Carolina and we get an email from the company that saying that the truck is going to be like three weeks late. So, you know, my first three weeks at my first real job, I was like waking up with my alarm clock and rolling out of my sleeping bag in an empty room and uh, getting up and brushing my teeth and, and eating, I don't know, cereal out of a box because I didn't have any bowls or a spoon or anything and, um, and rolling into work. So it, it took me a little while to, to feel like, like an engineer um, once I finally got my things and it was a lot better. Um, but, but yeah, and, and then things, I mean, man, things really rolled, rolled quickly. Um, after about the first six months, we started hearing rumors of, um, of a sale. And, you know, I didn't at this point in time know anything about business, much more corporate business. I barely knew what, what that meant. Um, I hadn't known anybody that had gone through a sale um, before, you know, really the only people that I would have known would be my parents and they never experienced anything like that. So, you know, for me, I I just had no idea what, what it would be like. Um, And so I just sort of heard rumors and I was like, you know, I don't, I was just focusing on my work and focusing on learning as much as I could um, in this new experience. And, um, and then one day I, I walked into work and, um, and I was like walking through this, you know, large main corridor and it was empty, which is really strange for that period of time too. So sort of eerie, but I only realized that now thinking back on it. But, um, you know, I go to open the, the, the door to our, our large office space and it opens before me. And one of my coworkers is walk is walking out and I, I look up at him and, um, and he looks, you know, pretty distressed. And I asked him, I said, you know, like, Hey, what's, what's up? And he told me that he had just been laid off and, um, and his eyes get all red and his eyes start welling up and he's like, getting really emotional and my eyes start welling up and I have no idea what to say. And I just feel, I just had, had no idea what to do in that moment. Um, most of the people I worked with, they had all been with IBM, a lot of them, their entire career straight out of college. I mean, these are people who are lifelong IBMers or viewed themselves as, as lifelong IBMers. You know, they had been with the company for 30 years and now they're going through this huge transition that I've never experienced before, but also they've never experienced before. Um, and so it was, it was just really, really strange. And, um, and then maybe a year and a half after I started, the divestiture happened and, um, and IBM sold our, our division to Lenovo. For me, 
that meant just going to a new office like five miles down the road. It really wasn't, you know, a, a big change. I had the same coworkers for the most part. We had the same management. They had the same management. It was just a new office building. Um, but then we're there six months and we start hearing more rumors. And now these rumors are, you know, what's going to happen to the workforce because, you know, maybe Lenovo might want to slim down the workforce. Maybe they might want to move us around. Who knows? Um, but again, I didn't know what that would mean or look like. So, you know, I'm just focusing on, on continuing to, to move up and, and improve my skills. And, um, and the weirdest thing was that even though you could tell that it was very emotional, you know, when I had first started, it was pretty laid back and easygoing. And then things got pretty tense pretty quickly. Um, but nobody really talked about it, or at least if they did talk about it, they talked about it, you know, between themselves and, and not with me. So I didn't, I didn't have anybody to speak with, um, except for my, my mentors, but we spoke, you know, very matter of fact, like, you know, this is what could happen if this happens or if that happens. Um, but not so much about, you know, feelings and emotions. And, um, and I think, I don't know if it's, if it could be attributed, probably both, it could, could be attributed to, to being female or, or, or being a millennial. But I think um, culturally both are more in tune or allow themselves to, to be more emotional. And, um, and I think that, that it, it, it was something that really would have helped us all as a whole if we had felt you know, comfortable talking about that. Um, but we didn't. So I think a lot of us were experiencing the same or similar things, um, but sort of on an island, you know. And then, um, then I had been with Lenovo for, for a year, and the majority of the engineering workforce was laid off. So what was it like being laid off so early in your career and having to change jobs again? You know, I, I, I just had absolutely no idea what, what to do with that. You know, what does that look like? you know, A, on a resume, B, for, for any future job that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get, you know. Um, I've been out of college for two and a half years, and I already have two companies, like, in and, and gone. And it's a really scary thing. And, and you know, to no fault, I, I don't think there was anything I could have done to, to prevent that, you know. So... So I was just super, I had absolutely no idea what to do with, with this. And then, A, I'm, I'm laid off, so I, I need to find another job. Um, my previous relationship didn't work out, and I had fallen in love, and, you know, she was moving to Virginia. So I, I, I moved to Virginia with her, and there's no computer hardware here. So now I've got two and a half years of, of pretty good experience, although it might not look so great because I have, you know, two companies and so, you know, I worry what that's going to mean for somebody looking at my resume and wondering about my longevity. And then on top of that, my experience has nothing to do with it, with any of the jobs that are available here. Um, so I actually found a job um, through one of my soccer teammates. Uh, her husband was uh, is a physicist and his company was looking for an engineer. Um, and then... I had a really, really tough time at the company um, in terms of my working relationship with my boss. And, 
you know, I, I, I really believe in the common denominator law. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, okay, this is happening now. And I'm the common denominator. There must be something that I'm doing. So, I mean, I tried so hard at that company to try to make it work out. I, I think the only thing I, I didn't try at that company was I didn't try to be content with being unhappy somewhere. Um, that was something I just wasn't going to do. And I hope I, I never have to, you know, realize that I've done that in my life. I think, I think millennials, I think the word happiness has become a larger and larger part of the younger generations. Um, and I think that that focus is not necessarily something that, I mean, I get a little sad when I hear people, you know, sometimes talk about millennials and say that they're wishy-washy. And that's, 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 I don't view that as being true at all. Um, I think, I mean, I, in, in fact, just look at the experience that I have. I mean, in terms of asking for loyalty um, from an employee to a company, um, it's also not something that employees are seeing from the companies that they work for as well. Um, the whole landscape is just, I think, a little more turbulent. So for me, I don't necessarily feel loyalty to companies just because of my experience but I absolutely 100% feel loyalty to people. And, um, and I really found a place at RMF that I think is really somewhere where, especially because of my previous experiences, I, 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 I know that I have a really strong appreciation for the type of company it is and the type of coworkers that I have, the type of boss that I have. Um, and so long story short, I mean, that's where I am now. And it's, it's been really scary at points, also really fun at points and somewhat freeing too. Um, but it's, it's been a long journey, but f finally I, f I feel like I'm at a place where, you know, I can have some, some longevity and, and be inspired to be where I'm at. So I, yeah, I can say, uh, my, I've been out of the college for a bit longer than you. I graduated in 99. Uh, but I've also had a similar career path where I've worked for companies that mm -hmm. have been sold. I've worked for companies that have been laid off. Uh, when I was an intern, people got laid off. Uh, my whole career has been basically revolving around layoffs. Uh, so it's, you know, it is a scary thing. And the question, you know, you were talking about being on your resume of, you know, looking like a job hopper and, um, you know, it's interesting because I've graduated, friends I've graduated with uh, have been at the same company the entire time since they've graduated. And that is definitely wow. not my career path. So it's, um, you know, a lot of things you've said, I think, are really interesting. And I actually was going to ask you about, you know, your feelings about loyalty to a company. And you already answered that because, um, <laughs> you know, it's I think that's something that we're going to see more and more is people, um, you know, is as you can't necessarily control your fate with that company. Uh you can have loyalty for that time being, but long term, you know, you always have to look out for yourself. That's so, right. right. Um, just to kind of change the topic, how did you get interested in engineering? Well, um, it's actually kind of funny sometimes when, when people ask me because they, in term, when they're thinking about it in terms of being a female engineer, because um, I got interested in engineering because my brother, <laughs> and when I was young, um, I just copied everything that he did because I, I just thought he was so. I still think he's cool, but I just really thought he was super cool, and um, and I remember 
I was probably 10, so that would make him like 15. And he said he wanted to be an engineer. I had no idea what it meant. But I was like, yeah, I want to be an engineer. And, um, and so I ended up just sort of following through with it. I mean, I was lucky because the high school that we went to um, was one of the four high schools in the area in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where um, they actually had an engineering program. So they had, it was the only school in the district that um, had, I think we did Autodesk Inventor, um, and we also had a, uh, um, a gas-powered vehicle and solar-powered vehicle uh, team. We got to, you know, build, design them, build them, and race them against, against other high schools. Um, so that, that was the thing that definitely locked it in for me. That's really cool that you were able to have that experience. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, your degree is in mechanical engineering, which it sounds like those experiences kind of helped you discover that field. And that's one of the engineering disciplines with the fewest women. Um, it's one of the ones, mechanical engineering is one of the largest engineering majors, but only 6% of mechanical engineering graduates are women. Have that had any effect on you when you were in school or in your career? Yeah, I think, and it's it's interesting too. And I, you know, sometimes I just I sit and wonder why why that is that, especially in terms of mechanical engineering. Um, like for me, the big field um, at my university for women was the biomedical engineering. Um, I, I think they actually had a majority women in biomedical engineering. Um, and I think we were at maybe 13% females in mechanical engineering. Um, I think that it's also even like, I guess in terms of branding, like the name mechanical engineering um, is what's carried over from, you know, old school engineering um, and has kept the name. Whereas say computer engineering is something that's new. And so when computer engineering was getting very popular, you know, women at the time were also entering the workforce. So it's it doesn't really have that entrenched in the connotation of the term. Um, but it's difficult to say, you know, what effect it's had on on me and my career because, you know, it's the only it's the only life and career I've, I've had. So I can really only speculate. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think I think the biggest effect is that I, I think it's still somewhat unexpected, um, especially when I'm talking to um, people who are older uh, than me. Um, and, you know, that can be a good and a bad thing. You know, sometimes that's that's fairly or unfairly seen as very impressive simply because I'm, you know, in a profession that's traditionally seen as something that, that women don't, don't enter. Um, but, you know, the other day... Um, a gentleman called the office and, um, and, and I answered and he was inquiring about, um, a position that we've posted recently. And, um, and he's asking me, you know, you know, how many people are your company? You know, what kind of business do you do? Um, where do you guys work out of, um, basic questions about it. The division manager wasn't in. So he's asking me and then, um, and then he goes, Oh, so, so, so what's your role there? Are you secretary? And, uh, and you know, my, my heart just skipped a beat a little bit. It's just, you know, it just kind of drops when you when you hear that. Just because, just because you know that, you know, if if he was hearing a male voice, he would not have asked that question. Um, and you know, that plays a role in, in both the connotations for secretaries as well as you know those for engineers. Um, and and it it really makes you wonder, you know, what other things are people not expecting you to do, and how much of a detriment is that is that playing? 
um, in your experiences. And I, you know, nobody ever says, you know, if I've had negative experiences, nobody says, hey, April, I'm treating you this way because you're a woman. You know, nobody says that. So you, you just have to you have to sit and you have to guess and, and you wonder. And, you know, unfortunately, it, it's it's it always comes to my mind. Um, I, I try my best not to think in those terms. Um, I don't think it benefits me to create that story in my head. I don't think it benefits the people that I'm working with to create that story in my head. Um, I think if we're still fighting for equality, then. I think the first step is is an internal step and you have to put equality out in the world. And if I start to think that way uh, and think that things are only happening to me because I'm a woman, whether they're good or bad, then what I'm doing is I'm relinquishing responsibility for the role that I played in the situation. So if it's something that bad that happened, then I'm not thinking or I might not be thinking, hey, you know, April, what what did you do in order to get yourself in this bad situation? Or if it's something positive, you know, maybe I'm not thinking, hey, April, you just did a really amazing, awesome job. And that's why this amazing, awesome opportunity or, you know, that's why you were recognized or something like that. And I so I, I try my best not to make that that story a part of my life, um, even though it's always lingering in the background. So kind of continuing on that topic, you know, what do you think that men can do to be better diversity partners? You know, you're talking um I think that, you know, that's really one thing uh, a lot of it's of interest to a lot of our SWE members. Um, we have a lot of involved male members, which sometimes surprises mm -hmm. people, uh, but that, you know, women can't go at it alone and uh, having those male supporters can really help. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, 100 percent, I agree that having that male support is, is something that's that's very important. Um, I think anytime you have a minority group fighting for equality, um, it's super essential that you have representatives from the ma majority group helping you out. Um, you know, I think something that's important for men to do is, is to be able to recognize bias um, and recognize bias in your fellow coworkers. You know, if, if you see a coworker saying something or, or you know, either to or about uh, maybe a female coworker that you don't think is something that would happen if that if your coworker was male please please you know say something to them you know i'm not, i'm not saying that you have to you know start a, an argument or anything but you know you can absolutely say hey i don't agree and i don't think that the way that you're treating this person is right um, unfortunately if somebody is has bias towards you know someone who's female and if they are viewing that person with less respect, if that, you know, woman comes up to them and says, hey, I don't like what you're doing, unfortunately, they're not going to, you know, accept that as much as they would from, you know, a fellow male. Um, I think the other thing is, is recognizing bias within ourselves. Um, everybody does it. And I, I, I think it's dangerous to try to pretend like we don't have biases. I mean, I absolutely have biases. I even have biases, you know, that are negative connotations. Well, or not negative, but even just untrue connotations with women. You know, the other day, I um, uh, I was I was getting a haircut, and the um, the woman cutting my hair was telling me about when she she lived abroad, um, and it was in I don't remember the name of the city, but it was you know, a city where a lot of you know American 
GIs um, uh, live. There's a big uh, base there. And I said, oh, were you married? And I just, and I just couldn't believe, you know, I, immediately I, I, I knew I was like, oh my gosh, what am I saying? Of course, like she could have been, very well have been in the military and it, she was in the military. She wasn't married. She was there because she was stationed there. Um, and, I, and I don't think it's something that we should beat ourselves up about, but it's something that we definitely need to recognize so that we can try our best, not necessarily to change our thoughts, but to change our actions. Yeah, you know, I think that's something that's good for both men and women to, you know, realize their biases and, uh, you know, that they're there, they yeah. exist, you know, you can't hide them. Uh, but being aware of them helps you better, I don't know if I'd say control right. them, but, you know, better know uh, what they are. And I don't know if you've ever seen, but there's a, pro it's called Project Implicit, and it's through Harvard. Mm -hmm. And they have some great tests that you can take on, I don't know, there's like at least 20 different topics that you can take um, these bias tests on to see where you lay. And I know for me, it was interesting because I think obviously since I do a lot with SWE, when there was one about women in technology and or you know, um, gender and technology, what side you kind of generally lean towards. And for the most part, it's leaning towards men dealing with jobs and technology, but mine actually was reverse. Um, but I think that's doing sweet every day kind of changes <laughs> right, that. Right. So, wow. That's amazing. Um, and I think that's, you know, important that if you keep practicing at them or, you know, you can eventually change those biases. So, right. Right. Um, so kind of on the same topic, what are, do you have some ideas on what women can engineers can do to make their companies more diverse? Well, for, for women, I think, I mean, I think the diversity anywhere always starts with education. Um, I think if we want engineering to be more diverse, then we need engineering education to be more diverse. Um, but, you know, maybe you're not in, you know, a, an educational role. Um, but there are ways where you can encourage your, your company that you work for to help out in that educational role. Um, you know, you can participate in STEM education programs, you know, even at primary schools. Um, one of the companies I worked for, um, we'd always got co-ops and interns. And, um, and I was always really excited um, when we would get um, young co-ops and interns. Because I think, and, you know, I don't think it's a conscious fault of anyone, but I think a lot of workplaces are just traditionally um, going to be workplaces that are maybe more comfortable for the types of people that would be viewed as more traditional in that work workforce. So, um, like, for example, um, when I was at, you know, we moved from IBM at, uh, to Lenovo and, and we're there for maybe one or two weeks. And um, one of my fellow uh, women engineers came up to me and she said, April, she said, you know, did you did you notice the bathrooms? And I said, oh, I said, no, I didn't. I didn't. What do you mean? And, and she said, well, there's, there's no feminine products. And she was, she was really gung-ho about getting feminine products. I never really thought about it. Um, I was just like, oh, well, I mean, I think I just brought them from home anyway. But, you know, I think about it more now. And there's little things that you can do to make people feel more welcome in the workplace. Um, I was at, um, at, at Facebook and I remember walking into the bathroom at Facebook and, oh my gosh, it was like you walked into the feminine product aisle of the grocery store. 
I mean, there was just everything you could possibly think of. And I never thought that a bathroom could feel welcoming, but it was seriously the most welcoming bathroom I had ever been in. And that is really a signal to females that you're welcome here and you're wanted here. I actually have a funny story to relate to that. I remember when I started at one of my companies and I remember calling my mom and being like, mom, they have free tampons in the bathroom. <laughs> and she was like, wow, that's amazing. And it's, it is a funny right, thing that you don't even think about until it actually happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you for talking to me today, uh, April. It's been a great conversation and Thank you for being so open and sharing about your experiences. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. So to learn more about RMF Engineering, go to rmf.com. And once again, April, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to explore additional offerings from SWE Advance at advancedlearning.swe.org. 